you're playing slow, so we're playing through. Hosted by Bob Ballou and Carl Nicholson. Brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. Play the famous Texas Triangle. Championship golf at its finest. Horseshoe Bay Resort. Good Saturday morning to you, Austin, Texas. Happy U.S. Open weekend. Happy Father's Day weekend. Happy Always Talking Golf weekend. Welcome inside this edition of Playing Through. Brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. I'm Bob Ballou. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Austin, Texas. Good morning. I'm Carl Nicholson. Good to be with you. U.S. Open weekend. It kind of snuck up on us, right? Did did you feel the anticipation of the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club this week, or did it just kind of cozy up to you? No, not really. Um, It's it's been an interesting week, uh, especially coming off what happened last weekend, which we'll get into. But I want to start with what what you've gotten into, because – you got up Friday morning at 3 a.m. and you just battled through the day and then turned right around. You're here for the show. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. You know, I am I am surprisingly energized. I was up up at a new client, Shangri-La Resort, up in north northeastern Oklahoma. It's right on Grand Lake of the Cherokees. It's like a mini horseshoe bay resort. It's interesting. Uh, Brian Woodward, our good friend from Horseshoe Bay Resort, is uh, tied into the project. Uh, he's with Crescent Management. He's he's managing it, getting him into some best practices, and kind of kind of cloning some of the concepts and programming that have worked so successfully there. Uh, but it's it's a hidden gem. It's an interesting place, just tucked away in a little finger of the lake. Um, I've seen marketing materials where they even try to call themselves the Midwest because they're on the same line as Joplin, Missouri, as uh, Springfield, Missouri. So uh, that's that far up in Oklahoma. So it was an interesting time. They, they just opened a new part three course called the Battlefield, which is extraordinary. Calling it a part three course doesn't do it justice. That's the first thing I said is we're going to have to invent some kind of new nomenclature because it's more than a short course. It's more than a part three. So it, in any normal categorization is going to not do this place justice. I'm talking about a hundred feet of elevation change from one end of the property to the other nice. waterfalls and streams running through this beautiful native grass with it. It's got about, I mean, millions of Indian paintbrushes popping right now. It's just an, it's a kind of golf course you, you play and you want to go right back out and play it again. Cause you, you're kind of on a bluff when you end it. It's, it, it's very strange to have the sensation about a par three course because you're standing on the top of the, the back of the clubhouse looking down on this beautiful valley that where the, where the topography just changes uh, all throughout. You've got high ridge lines, you've got low valleys and you're like, if I, if I squint, it's like Shinnecock with water features or it's like some ex- other extraordinary place you've been. Nice. And it's so, yeah, so that they really tapped into something magical. And I, I, as you've known me through the years, I'm a big fan of, of short par fours I'm a, I'm a big fan of short par threes and i'm a big fan of short courses because you you can test all the shots you can play it quickly and this really just just scratches every itch in terms of what you can do and we i, I know we have talked about the u.s open but we got into so much so, so many philosophical things about what you can do with a good a good short course that that's got and they've got bent, bent grass greens with sub air i mean this is this is over the top good I mean, the conditions are tour level. I mean, the different cuts of rough all the way from the bent grass greens to, to the fringes, to the to the next cut, to the native grass. Uh, a combination of 
the same aggregate white sand that Augusta National uses, as well as waste bunkers. It's just so much more than you'd expect. But when you talk about the golf industry, how many outings have you played? Think about your golf tournament. How many people play under blue skies that it's the one time a year they play golf? Right. Very fair. Do they, do they want to play a tournament? And again, I'm not dogging under blue skies because there's there's a reason you, your tournament might take 30 minutes longer than the other. You've got basketball. You've got other attractions. You've got engagement. But that's it's, an interesting point, though, too, it's, because it's, you know, a normal round of golf is going to take you 415 to 430 most likely. And a, a scramble tournament you play in is probably going to take you five to five and a half. A scr- unless there's just a, a scramble with beginners and, and people that play once a year, once every other year, yeah. twice a year is going to take six hours plus. Yeah. Put it on a footprint that's only 3,000 yards. Do it in three hours. Yeah. They still have time to drink. They still have time to bid on auction items. And they're still having fun. So I like that's, that's, that's what good. I like about it. So, so you know, no, I, and I, people always say, what do you think of our short course? Like, well, I've only been championing short courses since 1995 that's i wrote an article that says there's not enough short courses i remember interviewing jack nicholas at horseshoe bay when he was championing getting summit rock built and when i said are you building any any short courses he asked me what i had he asked me had to ask me what i I meant by it and i said you know pitch and putt part three executive short courses he's and he says let me tell you something i'm building courses in morocco i'm building courses in russia i'm building courses in china they all want championship caliber. I don't know why I, I would veer off of what's making me so successful in, in designing golf courses. And then you've slowly seen the sea change where people realize if you let your resort guests, your members, you you played the one at Blue Jack, you play the short course at Blue Jack. All you want to do is play it. Now the big golf course is great. It's sensational. It's one of the best in the state. Right. But you want it, but those short courses are so fun, so engaging, libation in hand. Trash talk going a mile a minute. It elevates the experience. It just, every, every good big property as Pinehurst has figured out, as Forest Dunes has, mis- has figured out, PGA National, down the list, it's a cash cow. It gets more people, more g- people from different generations, different walks of life, different reasons for being at the property to play. So that's the end of my soapbox. We should be talking about the US Open, but we 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 drifted to short courses cuz I'm I'm okay with that. Passion of my pa- passion of mine and I think every good resort needs one. Everybody that's got the footprint for it needs one. I mean, we need we need two more Butler Parks, but it, it's just uh it's cool. When you see a good one, it's really cool. All right. So I I think it's interesting you said that because what did what did Jack Nicholas say the three things that deter people from playing golf are? It's too hard. It costs yep. too much, and it's too uh, uh, too. Um, I just I'm like losing. It must be early. It's too hard. It costs too it much. Takes too it much. takes too long. That's what it was. takes too long. Yeah, and I'll never. I say I'll never forget him saying that as it like slipped my mind. But but I remember the three things, and it's it's so true. If you think about just just from your perspective, not even not even a scramble, but you talk about let's. And I know there are a lot of people who like to, to talk about this. You go play a four and a half hour round. Well, you got to get there an hour early and you stay an hour yeah. after. That's a seven hour, like it's, it's a it's, seven hour ordeal to go play it's golf. Your, it's your day. Now, now we, it's it's not an ordeal to you and me because it's what we, it's what we love, but not an ordeal to most people, but maybe their right. significant others would disagree. Correct. And that's, that's husbands and wives. Um, so anyway, all right, we got off topic there a little bit, but, but I think that's a good, 
good point. And I'm, I'm glad you're still energized enough to talk a little bit of golf. Before we get into the U.S. Open, which obviously I want to do, before we get into the U.S. Open, can we please just take a second and just go back to last Sunday and Nick Taylor's 72-foot putt to win the Canadian Open? Only because we don't get a lot of moments like that in golf. And you think about a Ryder Cup and the emotion that goes into a Ryder Cup. You don't get it at the President's Cup. But you think about a Ryder Cup and the emotion that goes into it. And then you think about probably 16 at the Waste Management in Scottsdale. And beyond that, there aren't a lot of tournaments you're going to go play in that have a crowd going bonkers. Just absolutely out of their mind bonkers. Well, Nick Taylor made that happen at the RBC Canadian last week. And it was one of the cooler moments I think we've seen. I mean, even just to see Tommy Fleetwood's reaction where he just laughed, (laughs) tipped his hat, said congratulations. And you got to remember, we've talked about this a lot. There are a lot of people in England that think that Tommy Fleetwood is the Ricky Fowler of the PGA Tour, uh, of the European side. Because he just can't can't get over the hump. He can't do it. And – He's on the verge of winning a PGA Tour event, and a guy drains a 72-footer in his backyard to win win the tournament. We just don't get a lot of moments like that. And so before we got into what what will, you know, obviously end up being the majority of our show, 40 minutes of discussion about what's going on at the U.S. Open, I I am – that was so cool. We just – I, I was just I was sitting at my desk at work and I was blown away because it was so cool and we just don't get a lot of moments like that. You really don't. Those are usually reserved for other sports where the improbable happens and you just I mean, yeah, I mean we've seen game winning three pointers at the buzzer. Uh we see I remember I remember interviewing the soccer player Carly Lloyd. She she had one from past midfield that, that was a critical moment in the game. I mean, there's there's just very. I mean, in football it happens all the time. You get you get walk off touchdowns and things of that nature. But golf almost never. You're right. I mean, you you, you get something that's exciting, but it's you know it's it, it's a chip in or it's it's a much shorter seventy two feet. I mean that that's an improbability. I mean that's that's. I mean what 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 is. What's Shotlink even say about 72 feet? It's got to be under, it's got to be, if I had to guess. One percent, two percent? One, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, three percent is probably generous. I was going to say yeah. about three, three to five. And then I said, you know, that's, that's probably way too generous. Yeah. It was completely improbable. I mean, I mean, a good, a good lag inside of two or three feet would have, would have been just as impressive, but the ball went in the freaking hole. I mean, it, it just felt like destiny, didn't it? I mean, it, it just felt like the, the you know, especially considering Fleetwood had the tournament won like two or three different times. I mean, all he had to do is hit a shot down the middle, hit a shot to the left, and get up and down. He wins the tournament. It reminded me of, of what Texas A&M fans call the greatest football game ever played, and I I, I recall being the worst officiated game I've ever played. LSU won that game about three or four years ago, about four <laughs> different times, and and they just figured the officials kept finding ways to keep A&M in that seven overtime game or whatever, whatever it was. But uh, yeah, so Fleetwood kept getting, you know, kept opening the door just enough. And uh, that's what happened. But, but just the way that crowd was galvanizing and you know, the entire country that had any interest at all was rooting for them. If you've ever spent time around Canadians and obviously they love their hockey, but they have a unique passion for golf. Sure. 
I always, I, I discovered I was, I was young in the golf business and Dave Pels was, was on his book tour for the 19, it was 1998, 99 book, the short game Bible it was a New York times bestseller. So it's back when you would still do live in store signing book tours. And those were a big deal. So he did for, I think he went to, did New York first. And I think, uh, uh, 99 90 to 100 people show up you know they're, they're a little bit outside the door or you know you know kind of wrapped around maybe not even quite outside the door chicago was a little bit smaller he gets to toronto and there are three lines of people wrapped around a golf town store and it's like okay and then yeah i get to meet more canadian people and like they are crazy about golf they really, really, really take it seriously. And everybody I've ever met, they, you know, they're the ones to have the simulators to, have, you know, to, you know, lessons from age three and, you know, and just cuss. They're, they're ahead of the game on custom fitting. They're just state of the art into the game. And when you heard the, the you know, singing O Canada and Channing Taylor and the, you, you, you know, as much as you want to see Tommy Fleetwood win the first time on, on, on this side of the pond, uh, that would have been a good enough finish, but it, it kind of had to be you just you just kind of hope destiny would find a way and it found it in the, the most dramatic of ways i mean that there's that putt had no business going in but that was really cool it was a cool moment it, it was, was a, cool i don't moment. care i don't care who you are after just so and we talked last week about the misery everybody was feeling about you know the 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 saudi involvement golf this this sort of agreement that that we're coming slowly coming to understand and uh, investigate and, and learn more about and be skeptical of put sort of a dark, you know, dark Paul across uh, the way we looked at golf or looked at professional golf and, and, and Nick Taylor kind of, you know, as Rory has many times, put kind of put it on his back and, and made, made the week special, made, made us remember why we love this and why, why we're, why we're not going anywhere. That's right. It's fans, right? So we're, that, that we're definitely not going anywhere. Um, Anyway, long story short, golf is in a good state, and it's in a good state because people are finding different things to do, different ways to go about it, and I think it's in a good state because of that. Okay, let's talk a little U.S. Open uh, before we have to hit our before we have to hit our first break. Um, I want to talk a little a little U.S. Open, I guess we should probably get into that. Um, it's a it's a everybody going into this week was like, oh, the scores are going to be low, they're going to be. And I had a buddy of mine who was like, winning score is going to be 14 under. And I was just like, I don't believe you. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying it. It's a U.S. Open. They're going to find a way. Well, they haven't, at least not to this point. They could come back a little bit. Uh, it did get harder as the day went on yesterday. Scores were about a shot and a half worse in the afternoon, which obviously tells you it got a lot harder. Um what was your biggest takeaway before we get into players? We got about five or six minutes here to close out our block. What about this tournament has either impressed you or bummed you out to this point? I'm uh, first of all, I'm totally okay with the way scoring has gone. I, I I know there's a lot of people who are OCD about the U.S. Open and the USGA setups being all about getting guys to shoot as close to even or one over or one under, and that being the measure of, of, of what makes a good U.S. Open. It's different. They, they they tried something extraordinarily special, and and that's bring golf 
to a really special, significant, uh, architecturally, histor historically, uh, cool freaking golf course. Now, it's not long. The corridors are wider than the U.S. Open. There wasn't anything realistically you could do to make narrow landing areas. And that's what you're seeing. Guys are getting to drive the ball aggressively and freaking far. And they have shorter irons than they do typically in, into a U.S. Open setup. Uh, it's it's firm in places and, and the greens are soft. So a lot of what you saw when uh, Brooks Kepka won at Aaron Hills is in play this week. Um, but if you get lost in what Brandel Shambly and his cronies got lost the other day, that they were interrogating the, the guy after the first round. It was it's involved in the superintendent setup and, and, and the USGA guy for the course setup at there at LA country club and basically asking what went wrong. Well, there was a Marine layer and the course was, was soft. That, that's what happened. They're like, well, should we even be going to these venues? Is it making a mockery of, of, of the tournament? I'm like, if you don't see what's in front of you, that you're playing and viewing the United States open on a course, you, most people don't get to see, will never get to see it's architecturally significant. It's a great, badass golf course design you're getting to see shot values that are unique just let it dry out a little bit i mean every course that gets wet you can, what are you going to do delay delay it a week until until you get crispy weather until you can bake out the course you can't do that you have you have, you have to play it this weekend and you have to you have to take what's given I, you know we've talked about this and I, I know you like to see you know bloodbath us opens but <laughs> We'll have one next year. They're going back to Oakmont. They're going back to Oakland Hills. They're going back to Shinnecock. They can get their teeth kicked in any other year. This is their chance to go to LA Country Club. And if you if if you don't let yourself enjoy it, you're gonna you're gonna have to find some fresh some perspective and some fresh air somewhere because you, you're not letting it get to your head. Okay. Well, I I I think that's fair. I, I think those are fair points. Um my my concern is that when you open up this to that um and you're okay with 262s when there's never been a 62 in the history of the US Open and there've only been six guys to shoot 63 um i think that i think you open yourself up to some different courses or different places where you're where maybe the majority of golfers won't be as happy. Not, not even golfers. Uh, the majority of people won't be as happy with what happens. Now, look, we've still got a weekend to go. So that's not to say that they're not going to come back a little bit, that minus six might end up being the winning score. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen this weekend. And if there's <laughs> carnage this weekend, if, if I'm not mistaken, the year Tom Kite won, we got halfway through round three, and it was like guys were tearing up the course, and then things changed. They changed dramatically. Um, so, so there, you know, there are still things that can happen this weekend. I think my, my bigger takeaway from all of it is that, um, it's interesting to hear people and I, and I, I do want a U.S. open to be, uh, the winner to be minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four, somewhere in there so that we are giving them the best possible challenge we can give these guys. I understand your point too, that this might happen, but I think, I think the, the golf itself, you know, I, I'm going to go – let me just go through this right now because I, I know we do this a lot when we go through this. But, you know, Jordan Spieth 
Phil Mickelson, Justin Rose, who's been playing unbelievable golf, Nick Taylor coming off last week, Seamus Power, who's played great golf, Thomas Peters, Chris Kirk, Corey Connors, Max Homa, who held the course record at LA Country Club, right. uh, Adam Scott, Justin Thomas shot a thousand. All of those names that I just mentioned, Keegan Bradley, Sung JM, all of those players missed the cut. So to act like this wasn't hard, it was hard. There were oh, yeah. I've read a few things from uh, from Michael Kim, who's been uh, really good on Twitter lately, saying, "Guys, it's not that this is not this course is hard. <laughs> they also have some really good players, and I think sometimes it's easy to forget that. It's easy to to kind of skip over that fact. And so uh, we'll get into the players here in the second segment. But I did want to get through that part just because from a yes, Carl, you're right. I not necessarily bloodbath, but just I want this to be the best challenge of the year in every single way. That's not always possible because of conditions, because of, uh, and and sometimes just because these guys are this good. We have two 300-yard par threes in this golf tournament, and we have a 78-yard par three. And right. so, like, just to act like, you know, it's and it's not just distance. Um, and that was actually one of the things Michael Kim said was a little bit more about, like, let's go back and look at Pinehurst in 99 and tell me why it finished even plus one, minus one, like, Tell me why we got to that point. And then we go we go from there and kind of figure all that out. All right, we'll get into all that in a second segment. And I want to hear Carl's response because I know Carl's a, a, an incredible historian of this game and, and can get into some of those things that even uh, the the normal guy that, that follows golf or uh, someone who thinks they're knowledgeable, you get in a conversation with Carl and he's got some some good details about stuff sometimes that will make you go, okay, yeah, yeah, it's something I didn't know. So we'll get into that in the second segment. Plus, obviously – a lot of talk about Ricky Fowler because of what he's done. So we'll get into that coming up. This is Playing Through on the Horn brought to you by Horseshoe Bay. Uh, Carl, I, I know we, we get into this a little bit every week, but, boy, there's some special stuff going on right now. I, I, sometimes I'll see the the big floaties, the big pool, uh, the big rafts out in the pool, and I'm like, I want my kids there. Like, I need my kids there. That's where they need to be. And there, there's so many special things that Horseshoe Bay does to make that a special event for your family. It really is an extraordinary thing. You know, and, and I talked about being energized when, when we opened the show. And a lot of it's to do with is spending two full days with Brian Woodward, the visionary who's put together all of this programming. He talked to me about bringing back the shootout, which is going to pit uh, four players we can't name just yet uh, in an event in October, made for made for TV event, made for, you know, regional TV. Uh, but, you know, he's beer by the bay. He's wine, dine, and jazz. He, he's done all these extraordinary events and like you said he's made it for the entire family inflatable pools inflatable obstacle courses out on the already beautiful lake lbj it's just like they never stop making the place more special for every every member of the family that's without getting to the spa the putting course all the other amenities that, that are just all over the place the kids club you know when they're not on when they're not on the beach they're not in the water they're not in the pool you still have the kids club and you can go have a nice dinner at the yacht club with a wife and and Enjoy it that way. Yeah, and I, we just saw the lineup for, for the Beer by the Bay Festival in August. I know we're going to do some heavy promotion for that coming in. So one night you've got, got, got the uh, deep voice baritone Easton Corbin headlining, and then you've got Eli Young Band on Saturday, August 12th, uh, the following night. So it's just uh, never really ends. The programming, the fun, the concerts. I, I, Brian mentioned that they've got a uh, guy inspired by the Elvis movie. They, they've got a young... Elvis. He's not doing the sequin jumpsuit 
older, chubbier Elvis. He's doing young Elvis. They got a guy that they've got coming out to entertain the people out there. So it never really ends from comedy festivals to, you know, music to jazz, you know, from jazz to country to rock. I think the spasmatics got, got the whole place sold out a couple of weeks ago. It's just, it, it never quits out there. It's, they're, they're just having fun. That's awesome. It's hsbresort.com, hsbresort.com. Get out to Horseshoe Bay, take your family, take your friends. Uh, you'll have a blast. All right, coming up, more talk on the U.S. Open and everything going on with Ricky Fowler. That's coming up. This is Playing Through on the Horn, brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. Another good Saturday morning to you, Austin, Texas. Welcome back inside another edition of Playing Through on the Horn, brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. He is Carl Mickelson. I'm Bob Ballou. Um, Carl, I wanted to get your take, at least if nothing else. I wanted to get your take on what I had, was saying there at the end of the block of, yes, I do like it to be plus one, even, minus one, minus two, minus three, somewhere in there for the winner. Um, wh- what, do you, what do you think when – you see the guys that made the cut, but there's so many guys that are such good golfers that missed the cut. And there are guys saying the course was playing hard. There are guys that are just playing, playing really well. What are your, what are your thoughts? That's another reason I think that Paul McGinley and Brandel Chambly said some of the most idiotic comments about <laughs> the, the golf course being wide and angles, not mad at not being a factor on this golf course because the guys just hit it so far. It's dismissive, it's short-sighted, and the leaderboard tells the tale. Yeah. The guys who hit it where they needed to hit it had good angles in. They had and they had sometimes they had short clubs in their hands. The guys who could not really struggled. And that's the nature of a US Open is if if you're going if you're going to flirt with the rough or if you're not going to have command of where you're setting up those shots, there's a lot of places that you can short-side yourself on these holes. There's a lot of the, if you look at the bunkering, there's a lot of bunkering that's a little bit deceptive. It's not right on the edge. Some of them are right on the edge. Some of them aren't. There's a lot of camouflaging. There's a lot of not the same. There's not a lot of monotony on this golf course. I I, I think when you, when you look at the, the style of bunkering, you look at the style of native graphs, you think, oh, okay, there's a theme here. But yeah, maybe theatically, there, there's a thematic aesthetic to the golf course, but there's cross cross bunkers to trick the eyes in some cases. There's some that dare you to hit hit the hero shot, and I think that's what's made it all the more impressive. The way Ricky Fowler has comported himself and, and carried himself around the golf courses, he's been not just dialed in, not just sharp with his ball striking, but also daring, bold, and really cool. That's the thing you got to. That's the, the the thing we've we said with Scotty Scheffler these past couple couple of years is beware the guy who, who's just not looking like he hasn't broken a sweat. And I, I, I think saying that the course is set up like a regular tour event or it's too easy or the, or the course is outdated or made obsolete because because they can drive it so far and, and have short short clubs into this doesn't make it a U.S. Open. I think if it stays dry enough, you're going to see a U.S. Open. You saw toward the end of, end of the round yesterday, last night, some of those putts were trickling away. Some of those six-footers four, six weren't foregone conclusions, you know. Some of those ended up to you know two three feet away. If it gets drier, which historically how many U.S. Opens have we watched set up by the USGA? 
they, it'll bake out. They're going to let it bake out. That's that's what they plan for. Weather may not cooperate, but if it does, it's just going to get harder. I mean, yeah. you, if you want to, if you want to isolate to, to scoring average, and scoring average was still over par. I mean, that's the th- that's the thing. Everybody's complaining about guys shooting sixty two. Scoring average is still over seventy one. The first day, higher yesterday, and we've just and we've you know. I, I, I think it's a perfect time to, to kick into the leaderboard because it's yeah. an incredibly good one, regardless of, 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 of that there's a minus or how, how how many under they are below. And, and maybe we're not comfortable with that on a U.S. Open week. It's a hell of a good leaderboard. It really is. Um, you know, obviously, the, some of the bigger names are up there. Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith, Tony Finau. Um. We we are missing a lot of names that have that are guys that have been playing really well. That you know, John Rom, Victor Hovland. That while they made the cut, they aren't they aren't really in the mix. Probably not going to be factors. Yeah, those. Yeah, I mean the 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 biggest shocks. I mean, we 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 everybody everybody's you know you can't say dark horse, but every everybody's ace in the hole to to be a top ten was Max Homa this week. Yeah, and I I I think you look at the. Whatever they're whatever whatever kind of twins they are, whatever nickname we would we've ascribed to Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, we we thought they'd be a factor too. Uh I think those come in as, as some of the biggest surprises. I don't think anybody's surprised that Rory McElroy is close to the top. Um Ricky Fowler, a pleasant surprise. We knew he he'd been playing better. Every phase of his game has come up since he's gone back to working with Butch Harmon. He's found what he'd been lost for the past past three seasons. Uh he really uh, has come come a long way, and, and and there's a maturity there, and there's a coolness. It's interesting that he and Xander Shoffley are, yeah, compl- playing well in, in in Southern California because they're they're prototypical California cool dudes that could be shooting ninety or sixty, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know by looking at the look on their face or or the 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 level of their shoulders, right? It is pretty amazing to think that. Um... There are so many good stories, and it's always hard for me when we do these shows, to be honest, because we're only halfway through and we don't get to tell the full story. But right. it's also kind of cool because we do get to tell stories that are already out there. And you think about what Ricky Fowler has gone through to get to this point. Um, you know, in 2014, he finished fifth at the Masters, second at the U.S. Open, second at the Open Championship, and third at the PGA Championship. And we mm-hmm. thought we were – seeing the dawning of of something big and he did have some good finishes after that he finished second two top tens of the masters uh two top tens of the pga championship two top tens at the uh the open championship but it just never it never got all the way there and his game has really struggled he's missed three straight masters missed back-to-back us opens um there are some real you know, there was some real discouragement, and, and and that's going on ten years now. I mean, that was the twenty fourteen or nine years now. It's twenty fourteen, right? Um, and he he would play sporadically well or whatever, but to see what he's to see what he's doing right now is is incredible. To, to think about, do you like yo yos? Do you like roller coasters? Because that's what you're on with with Ricky Fowler. <laughs> I don't. So Justin Ray, our our guy, always throws out some great stats. Um, Ricky Fowler's. 36 hole score of 130 ties Martin Keimer in 2014 for the lowest 
in U.S. Open history. Now, obviously, he shot the 62 on Thursday, but his his 10 under still, the 36-hole score, is still the lowest in U.S. Open history. He's made 18 birdies through 36 holes. 18 birdies! It's pretty good when you're birdieing half the holes. It's good when you do that in a scramble, but let, 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 let alone... I mean, on your own in 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 the 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 toughest examination in golf, or what what's designed to be the toughest exam, examination in golf, you know, and that's the thing. He's made some bogeys in there too, but he looks so comfortable on this golf course. He looks like he knows where to hit it. He's in control of his distance. Whatever he and Butch Harmon are working on, it's working. He's really comfortable. You know, it's interesting. The guys that are going to play together tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know if you caught this, but Wyndham Clark, right before he won, he did a what's in the bag. And he goes, yeah, we were playing um, down in Jupiter. And Ricky just took everybody's money putting with that 38-inch putter with the 21-inch thick grip. And then we then we went to practice on the putting green. I said, let me try that thing. And he just couldn't get away from how, how good it felt, how natural the, sh- the short putts felt. Played a couple of weeks, put- putted poorly. He goes, you know what? I'm not going to tell Ricky. But I'm going to go get the exact specs, and I'm going to putt with Ricky's putter. Two weeks later, he wins his first tournament on tour. That's great. They're putting with they're putting with the exact same putter made. Very unusual. Thirty eight inches, not to anchor, not to do anything weird with the claw, but to counterbalance. Not so, so not to jam weights in there. They're actually using the, the extra length to counterbalance the putter, and they're both putting beautifully that way. So it's interesting. Those guys are in the last group together. With very redundant, very identical putters and putting legs out. I did not know that story. That's an incredible story. Yeah, and no, it's it, it's very interesting. Wyndham Clark looks looks really comfortable. Interesting how he you know played his way in, stayed in, posted a nice score. Uh, but yeah, if you just go down the leaderboard, you know, I I found the birdie that Xander Shoffley after making a few bogeys in a row and and kind of falling out of contention to get to seven and they get back to eight was pretty critical to get in the next to last group with Rory McIlroy, I thought was critical for Xander Shoffley's confidence and his ability to, to stay mentally charged in, into this round. I, we don't want to lose Xander Shoffley from the plot at the 34th to 35th hole. So I think that, that that birdie on 18, I thought, I thought was critical to get him back in the mix, to get him recharged and say, Hey, I'm still in this. We, we can still, we can still play aggressive. Yeah, I I just it it's it is funny to watch though the and it's because I don't think we see this a lot, Carl. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe maybe I just don't notice it as much. It doesn't feel like you see this yo-yo of of what's happening. And with Ricky Fowler, it was off the charts ridiculous yesterday. He made four pars. He started birdie 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 to get to eleven under. Just just listen when I I, I love doing this. Yeah. Birdie birdie birdie. Bogey par birdie. Bogey birdie par. Bogey bogey comes back with a birdie. Goes back to a bogey. Par. Birdie bogey birdie. Like, and then it finishes with a par. Now for Xander, it was different because 13, 14, and 15, he made three straight bogeys. Right. And you're and to your point, that's where you're going, okay. Now you're back to six under. And you're thinking, like, I've lost my round. Think about Dustin Johnson. Makes a quadruple bogey on the second hole. A quadruple bogey. And mm-hmm. still finds a way to finish even par. So, for for everything that goes into this, I, I I think I read someone yesterday saying, basically, there are 
I don't know, three eagle opportunities on the front nine if you really right. want, to, want to find them. And it gives guys an opportunity to get back in it with a couple birdies. But we're seeing things – I just don't remember seeing yo-yos like this. I think that's the best way to put it, a roller coaster like this, where it's and, – and it's a lot of guys. It's not like – I mean, Rory's doing the same thing. And I know Rory does it more often than not. He shot a 30 on the front yesterday right, with one bogey and then made three bogeys on the back. And it's just – it's it's just that maybe maybe more than anything else that's the thing that I I'm trying to comprehend why that's happening why are we seeing this fluctuation of bogey 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 oh I'll just make back to back birdies bogey birdie bogey birdie but there's not a lot of pars and it's just a very interesting now Justin Thomas made six pars yesterday and Ricky Fowler made four pars yesterday and Ricky Fowler shot 68 Justin Thomas shot 81 so there's some weird things going on in general, but I just, I don't know. It just feels like, and, and I think that's going to be a real commonality as we get to Sunday, as these guys are trying to navigate a, a what I believe, maybe I'm wrong in this, but again, what I believe will be a much difficult, much more difficult golf course that they will let dry out and harden and, and they hope that that's what does it. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot of birdies and bogeys on Sunday afternoon, everybody's be like, oh, no, he, Ricky just made back-to-back bogeys. He's done. Oh, he just made three straight birdies. Now he's going to win it. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of that on Sunday. There's a couple of things at play. If this course can dry out, the greens aren't going to be as receptive. And you watch what, what happened. You started to see it yesterday when guys hit it just a little bit long. Yeah. What happens, and, and, and this doesn't get talked about enough, is typically at a, at a major championship, they will cut the rough Wednesday. They'll mow the rest of the golf course. Obviously, they'll mow the greens and they'll mow them low. The rough grows and doesn't get touched. It only gets longer. It only gets more gnarly through the week. They don't trim the rough anymore after the golf tournament starts. That's just, that's just a standard practice. So you're, rounds three and four, unless it gets really soft and spongy due to weather, it's not going to be soft and spongy because that's the way the USGA makes it. It's going to be the opposite. I think those shots where they can play aggressively in some of those ones that just kind of nestled by the hole, three, four, five, six, seven, eight feet, you're going to see that trickle. You're going to see that cruel runoff like you've seen in these USGA events in the past. And the places they go aren't going to be the same as they were on, on, on Thursday and, and Friday. It's just going to be a little bit nestier, a little bit more harder to harder to get out i mean even the guys in the leaderboard rory mcelroy went under a shot i mean he, he didn't make contact with a wedge shot i saw somebody, hit. somebody tweeted out that he had a drive that went 382 yards and then a shot that went zero yards zero inches zero feet it, went, <laughs> it, it didn't move yeah so yeah so the, uh, yeah and it, I, I like what you said it's a roller coaster around anybody's capable have a having a Phil Mickelson type round, a, a seven birdie, you know, six bogey, you know, type extravaganza. And, and I'm here for it. I mean, not only is the leaderboard tremendous, you've got major winners, you've got guys seeking their first time. We, we've, we've gone, you know, two thirds of the show and, and haven't talked about Sam Bennett being in the top 10 in contention. Second straight major. There's guys, there's guys that have been playing the tour Six, seven, eight, 10, 12, 15 years. Who would love to say they were in contention? The first two major, you know, they're they in two majors in the same season. It's unreal. 
It is uh, unreal. Well, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the uh, into the guys that we like going into the weekend and kind of what we see, how we see this thing playing out. Um, so we'll give you a couple of ideas of why we like who we like, and that's coming up. This is Playing Through on the Horn, brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. segment of playing through on the horn they tee off here in a little while at the u.s open i i actually can't even remember what time tea time start tomorrow or today uh they're i know they started at like nine in the morning our time but obviously it'll be more in the afternoon and they're only i didn't realize that it's only 60 golfers like it's usually top 70 in ties at the u.s open it's top 60 in ties so i was going through the night last night looking through okay maybe this guy's gonna make the cut maybe maybe this guy and then I was like, wait, it's not – none of these guys are going to make the cut because they're not <laughs> – I'm on the wrong number here. So uh, so it's top 60 in ties, um, and that made the cut plus two. So we missed out on, on some of the guys we talked about earlier in the show. Jordan Spieth missed it by a shot. Um, Phil Mickelson missed it by a shot. There's some guys like that. So let's go to, let's go to what we like today. Um, uh, Carl, are you going to put – are you going to go to the bank – find somewhere to bet and put it all on Ryutaro Nagano, who is two under eight shots off the lead tied for 12. Do you like Ryutari Nagano this weekend? I will not bet that <laughs> bet the house on Ryutari Nagano. I, I, I think because of the names like Nagano, like Dylan Wu, with the exception of Gary Woodland and, 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 and names like Denny McCarthy and Justin So, who's had a great season, and Brian Harmon's had a, had a good resurgent number of years, and Charlie Hoffman is the king of the West Coast. Um, I think two. I think two hundred is too far out. Okay. Nothing against Mister Nagano or any any of those other guys. I think if anybody in the two hundred group makes a move, it's Gary Woodland. Maybe okay. Charlie Hoffman backdoors in. How about I've, you give me a little love for Denny McCarthy? Because I have been on the Denny McCarthy train for about a well, year absolutely. and a half now. Absolutely. I to see him at two under, uh, that was a nice little comeback for him yesterday with a three under round. Uh, he could put himself in the mix. But but I think realistically, if you look at the top ten, um, and and I I want to give you another really good stat that I saw from Justin Justin Ray. 25 of the last 27 US Open champions were within three shots of the lead. At this point, 15 of the last 17 were in the top five. So if you're going to limit it to that, which I don't know that we that we do, that gives us five golfers that are going to win. It's exactly five guys who are, who are going to win. So and if it's, you're, it's Ricky, Wyndham Clark, Rory, Xander Shoffley, and Harris English. Now, if you're going to go beyond that, I think you can look to uh, DJ. I think you can look yeah. to Scotty Scheffler, who just continues to put himself in the mix in every tournament he plays. And I think you can look to Cam Smith and Tony Finau, and you feel comfortable saying – do I think Tony Finau is going to come from seven back? No, but if he did, I wouldn't just be blown away by it because of the way he could go out and shoot three under at six and everybody comes back to him. And now you're at eight, seven, and he's at six. Now you're, now you go into Sunday with a little more confidence in that. So um, I, I think there are a lot of guys in this top 10, top 11 that really could make a move and really could do something special this weekend. 
But I think in the end, maybe I'm wrong on this. I think they're going to be mo- the majority of people are going to be rooting for Ricky Fowler. But I'm going to tell you, Carl, <laughs> Rory McIlroy sitting there is the one guy that I just you kind of felt like going into this week with all the things that he's heard about major championships, with everything he's dealt with the last year and a half, the way he stood up for what he believed in, the way he defended the PGA Tour, the way he still goes after live golf, all of it would make for such an amazing story for him to win this week. And I know Ricky's probably maybe a little bit bigger of a story, but I just look at Rory and I go, after everything he's been through, it would be pretty cool if he won this week too. Rory's in a good place. We don't know if he's in a good place emotionally or intellectually based on everything he's had to go through and and bear and answer to the past couple of weeks and really the past couple of years. But eight under, two back of Ricky Fowler and Wyndham Clark, you have to feel like Rory McIlroy feels really good about being the next to last group, playing with Xander Shoffley and being able to put some pressure on these guys. And, of course, as you talked about, there are holes – you can you can par fives you can reach in two, and it, it, who do you want to be? A guy that drives it world class like Rory McIlroy does, and when he's dialed in, he's every bit 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 the iron player that that, that can do extraordinary things and and be really clutch. So yeah, if, if what Rory needs to not play his way out of it. I think that's the biggest thing because yep. there's going to be opportunities to, to make your moves. It it It's just staying really focused for Rory McIlroy and not having the, the yo-yos and roller coasters that, that you talked about. If he can keep it pretty stable, keep his nose clean and, and, and make those birdies and have some eagle opportunities and those couple, ch- couple chances you get on this golf course and realize that there's some opportunities still late, depending on where the pen placements are. You're seeing a lot of, bur- you know, you're seeing 16, 17, 18, not, you know, sometimes sometimes these uh, championship courses, there's not a lot of birdies to be had late in the round. Here, it's kind of like what we saw at the Canadian Open. Some gettable holes late, some drama that can swing, and it's not just fighting for your life, fighting for par, hoping for, you know, hoping bogey's enough on these. I I, I think the, the winner might have to sink, sink a birdie putt or, you know, to push a playoff or, or, or to win outright. In, the, in this tournament. So I think Roy McIlroy is in a phenomenal place. Xander Shoffley would have to be motivated. How many times has Xander played his way into contention, this exact spot that, he, that he's in, uh, to, to, to be at LA Country Club, to, to, to be in California, and 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 to really – and to, have to hey, let's face it, regardless of what the setup was or the conditions were, he and Ricky Fowler both did something historic by shooting at 62. And, I mean, it's in the record books. You can put an asterisk if you want, but I, I don't think you need to. No asterisk. I I I I think he's he's got to ha- he's got to have motivation. Dustin Johnson has motivation. It, 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 it's interesting how many guys are kind of the perfect temperament for this golf course and this yeah. event. You look at Scotty Scheffler who, who needs to make a move but can make a move. You look at Dustin Johnson who who can be dangerous can, and even even Cameron Smith even Cam old Calm, Smith. How about old Calm Harris English just sitting there at seven under? Like I'm still here, mm-hmm. guys. Remember me? Remember when I was really good two years ago? And then uh-huh. I. Kind of fell off the table. Hey, we got to get going, but I want I want your pick. Who do you take to win the U.S. Open now that you have a leaderboard in front of you of these guys? I'm going to take Rory. I like it. I really like it. Uh, I'm going to take Ricky. I'm, I know I'm always wrong in these situations. I'm going to take Ricky because I just think it's his time. 
It's in his backyard. He grew up in Murrieta, uh, you know, just south southeast of, of L.A. He's in his backyard. He's done what he's done with this a bazillion 18 birdies through 36 holes. He's going to make a lot more. I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. But I love That's the right. Rory pick. I really do. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's something that could that could that could happen. All right, we'll see. I, how w- it I would love to see them in the final group together. It, it's it's what we should have got about a decade ago when these guys were were, were top in class, 2013, 2014, in in into the middle part of that decade, where these guys should have, should have been knocking each other, you know, right in the mouth for for major after major. And you know, better late than never, right? Yeah. Let's make it happen this weekend. Uh, Carl, I know this goes by quick. Always enjoy doing it with you. Uh, thanks for all your insight. And look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks to you. It was a great conversation this week. I'm going to enjoy watching the rest of the golf tournament. Hope you enjoy it. Have a great Father's Day, Bob. You do the same, Carl. You're a great dad. And uh, I hope your kids appreciate you as much as you deserve. Uh, mine mine are just cute right now. So they don't have <laughs> another difference. Uh, all right. That's going to wrap it up for us. Big Ugly Tailgate's coming up next. Thank you guys, as always, for listening, spending an hour with us on the Hargoff Show. Uh, this is uh, Playing Through on the Horn. We, we appreciate you being a part of it. He is Carl Mickelson. I'm Bob Ballou. This is Playing Through, brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. Go out, make it up to 30 seconds. One more time, then I'll go.